0: from the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas. It is Texas Football Today, a show on the internet. My name is Greg Tepper. I am the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook, or you're listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I'm sitting here over there at the helm today, Mission Control, making us sound good today. Hello. Is Ashley Pickle on a different camera today?
1: It is. No, it's the same camera. Oh. My face is just, I guess it's crooked, but it's the Did same your camera. face get more crooked since I saw my you My face out? is more crooked, not the camera, mm. but my face, mm. yes. Mm. That's, um, that's that checks out. How that works? That checks
0: out. Science. Also here, sitting to my right, and we'll talk with him in just a minute. But I, I don't want to leave him out of the nonsense of the of the opening segment. <laughs> is uh, Shahan J. Roger, our college football insider. Hello, Shahan.
2: Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Yesterday was fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, thought it was going to be a quiet day, but uh, it got
0: to like one thirty. Yeah, and, like we got through the show yeah. and everything, and we'll get to why that is here in a moment. But yeah. Um, then the whole world exploded.
2: Yeah. And then it kind of unexploded. Right. But like there was still an explosion. I I feel like I feel like this is like a thing where Pandora's box opened mm-hmm. and then they're like no problem, we can get everything back in the box. No problem. And uh that's incorrect.
0: That is not how Pandora's box no. works. No. I'm not an, I'm not an expert on Greek mythology. Uh, no. No, not at all. But that's that's, that's, that's not, not how it that works. works. Not, that's not how any of this works. No. Today is Tuesday, September 24th, 2019, 65 days till Thanksgiving, episode 822. 822, Julio Franco's OPS in the illustrious Texas Rangers career. That is a gosh dang Texas Rangers Hall of Famer.
1: How cool is that? Hirsch uh, four through the door. You uh, can't just skip it. The, the people love it. All right, here we Here's go. Here's Ashley. Just <laughs> Rob Haddaway, Jacob John, Daniel Agnew, and Brent Homan.
0: Everybody welcome to the Ashley Pickle Show. <laughs> Already with this. Yeah, well. Uh, On today's show, guys, we have Shahan. We're going to talk a little bit about what happened yesterday. And the... I've had some time to digest it. I think I have some takes on it now that I'm comfortable issuing, but we'll get into that. Uh, then we're going to announce the Coaches of the Week presented by Visit Fort Worth. We'll announce the Dairy Max built by Chuck Milk assisting Coach of the Week nominees. Then we'll talk with the Texas High School Football Hall of Famer Craig Way uh, about all things Texas High School football. We could probably ask him about the Longhorns, too, if we wanted to, but I haven't told him we would, so
2: that would feel kind of like ambushing him. Well, I mean, he'd have to do a lot of research. I mean, has he right. even ever watched the Longhorns name play? One,
0: name <laughs> one Longhorns game he's seen. You I, can't. You can't. No, it's
2: no. impossible. I can't limit it to one. Right.
0: Uh, that's true. <laughs>
2: uh, so, uh,
0: we will get into that. Uh, new episode of Teppin' Step is up, uh, if you're interested in that. There is also another podcast up. And emergency edition of Republic of Football. We have a new feed for subscribers only yep. for emerge, basically emergency pods and bonus pods. Um, for Texas Football today, or Texas football Insiders. And yesterday, we dusted it off for the first time. Yeah, it was nice. Then, yeah. you know, we had it set up. We were waiting for the right moment. We're like, boy, I wish there was some breaking news we could do a <laughs> podcast about. And then, bam. And then everything broke. And, <laughs> and then everything. Broke. So let's try to run through what happened yesterday. Yeah. So this was about 2-ish, about 2 o'clock, yeah, Central, about. central about. Daylight Time. <laughs> yes. Uh, according to the Tower of the Friendly Mercantile. Uh, there was a there was a tweet from Joseph Duarte of the Houston Chronicle. Joseph Duarte is the Houston Cougars reporter of record. Right. He is an excellent excellent reporter. One of the better beat writers in this. Yes, he is. And the thing about him is, when he says something, you never have to be like, oh. "Is that real?" Yeah, it's never a rumor. No, right? that's happening. Exactly. Even when it's like unsourced, right. I trust Joseph Duarte right. implicitly. Yes. So he takes that responsibility very seriously. He does. So he tweets out. That the shocking news that De'Eric King, the quarterback for the Houston Cougars, yeah. is going to redshirt, It's going to sit out the rest of the year and redshirt this year. And the the story said that he was keeping all of his options open. Yeah. So we'll run through the whole story, then we'll back up. Okay. <laughs> so we will, so there is, uh, that happens. And then Mark Berman, who yeah. is another guy, he's, I believe, with the Fox affiliate yes, down there. Fox in and Houston. In Houston. Uh, is texting with D'Erik King's father. Very well-sourced guy, by yeah, the way. Yeah, another very well-sourced guy in the Houston circles. And he says, and he basically quotes a, t- a text from Derek King's father saying, D'Erik King is going to sit out the rest of the year, take a red shirt, and transfer right. for next year. He's going to enter the transfer portal. Right. So everything kind of goes kablooey there for, <laughs> for about 30 to 45 minutes, okay? Yes. Eventually, things settle in. And by the end of the day, we find out the report from – uh, as Houston puts out a, a, a report that D.R. King is going to sit out the rest of the year. He's going to redshirt. Yes. But he intends to return for 2020. And the same goes for receiver Keith Corbin. Yes. So two guys are going to redshirt. Obviously, Keith Corbin's going to get kind of lost in this because D.R. King is <laughs> the headliner. Right, right. So that's what
2: happened
1: and everyone lost their <laughs> mind. It was, Like, okay, Tepper I, I lost will say, his mind. I
2: will say, I was a little surprised with, like, how national this story went. You know, because it is, I mean, he's an, an awesome a, player, but he is a group of five quarterbacks. It's an AAC quarterback. Right.
0: I think because of what he did last year, sure. and, and he and, established and himself. Absolutely
2: should be considered that level. I
0: also think that it helps that they have played... Fundamentally, three games on national TV. Yeah, yeah
2: Oklahoma yeah. on a Monday night. Sure, they played
0: uh, Wazoo on a Friday night, right. and then they played Tulane on a Thursday. Especially that you know
1: game. the Tulane game had so much to do with that because sure. it was Thursday night everyone watched and it was unbelievable. It was recent. So yeah. to hear that that came after <laughs> that was yeah. probably.
0: So as you know, the new rule is that you can play up to four games and still redshirt. Yes, Dear King has obviously he's never redshirted, and so he does have that redshirt year available to him. Um. I'm,
2: I, I want to get kind of your 50,000-foot view on the whole situation sure. first. Sure. Well, I, I think first off, um, if I had to imagine how exactly this went down, I think that Derek King probably made that decision that, you know, I'm going to sit out the rest of the season early-ish and probably this weekend even, and probably before truly talking to Dana Holgerson about all of it. Um, and then... I think that after that, you know, you kind of go and you talk to the coach and and maybe you realize, hey, you know, I don't have to commit to anything right now. You know, I don't have to commit to leaving by any means and I don't have to commit to staying at this point either. Um, And so I think at this point, it just makes sense for him to, you know, stay on campus. Obviously, he's going to get his degree, um, but it's just I don't know if we've ever seen anything quite like this. You know, we saw Kelly Bryant last year do this kind of at Clemson. But at the same time, you know, that was a, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to save my last year. I don't think we've ever really seen a, he might come back situation. The
0: other situation, the other difference with the Kelly Bryant situation is that basically he 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 got beat out. He got beat out for his job. He wasn't going to get to play. Trevor Lawrence had taken his job. Right. And so Kelly Bryant was saying, all right, I want to play for my senior year. I'm going to save this. I'm going to go somewhere else. Derek King was the starter. Sure. Is still the, he's still on campus. He's He's the best
2: quarterback on campus. And the best quarterback in the AAC probably at this point.
0: Right. With McKenzie Milton Hurt, I mean, he would be the only guy who has an argument. So, we are now in a situation where Houston... So, first and
2: foremost, you do believe... I want to be clear about this. You think this was D.R. King's decision. I think that this was primarily his decision, yeah. And I, I think that, you know, for him, I just have to imagine that, you know, you look at this year, right? Whether or not next year is Houston or not, I think you look at this year, and obviously this is not going how we wanted it to go. And he's probably not going to play football in the NFL, Mm. uh, you know, at quarterback at least. So if you're going into your last season as a starting quarterback in football in general, Mm. I mean, to start one and three and kind of know that, man, it's just going to be fighting for a bowl game at this point. I mean, that does kind of suck, you know, just as a competitor, just knowing what you did last year, knowing that you scored 50 touchdowns in 11 games last year. I mean, it kind of sucks to kind of go out with a whimper. And so, I do think that this was ultimately Derek King's decision. Now I do think later on, and especially later on in the day uh, talking to Dana Holgerson, you know, I think that Holgerson probably at least let him know you have options, you know, we're going to support you. We don't have to worry about, you know, this season is, can be a mulligan for Dana Holgerson. He has that kind of leeway and most coaches don't obviously. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think that first and foremost, this was Derek King making this decision. um, And I think that Holgerson has probably had some input into it at this point, uh, especially in terms of how they've messaged it. But, um, you know, I I think that first and foremost, this was Derek King wanting to have a better senior year than what he's having. Oh,
0: and let's be clear. If you take a look at the 2020 Houston schedule. Yeah. It is easier. It is easier. Uh, They do not have Oklahoma on schedule. They do have to go to Pullman (laughs) to play Wazoo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, They do go to BYU. Although, who knows what that team's going to look like. They do. They still have UCF on the schedule. Right. They're at Cincinnati. They're at Memphis. They're at SMU. Um, but the schedule does look a little bit, if, you, if the stated goal of the Houston program is to be a conference contender every single year yeah. and to make a New Year's Six Bowl basically every year, sure. Um, then this year is is pretty much out the window. It's yeah. not going to happen. Yeah. I, I hate to, anybody who's holding on hope, <laughs> uh, they could, even if they run the table from here, they're probably right. not making a New Year's Six Bowl. No, no I don't so, think so. So, in that respect, it's an interesting move. I will just say that I don't think that... Th- I think if Houston fans are, are putting away the the handkerchief from wiping their brow and saying, whoo, we dodged one, we got Derek King back next year, I would just caution to yeah. say that there is nothing that's binding him to staying. And... If he decides that he wants to go somewhere else, he still can. He has said he's going to he, – he said he's with 2020. He's going to – he intends to return for 2020. But that is fundamentally a non-binding thing. Not that I don't trust De'Ara King, but the issue is that he is going to have a lot of options here. And, and Houston is one of those options, but it is not the only option.
2: Yeah, well, and that's kind of what I mean when I say that, you know, you don't have to commit yourself right now. You know, you don't have to say I'm leaving because, you know what, maybe – he tries to put himself out there and realizes there isn't the attention that he thought there's going to be for his services. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, coming back to Houston is a very awkward situation in that case. Now, it's still going to be awkward now. Yes. Um, but I still think that if, you're, if you say, I'm leaving and then decide to come back, that's like a maybe even untenable situation over there. Right. Um, Now, I think that the big thing right now is that he has several months before he has to make his decision. I don't actually know uh, offhand whether he's graduating in December, whether he's graduating in May, which does make a a Mm -hmm. difference. Um, but it still just gives him a little bit of time to, you know, stay on campus, not kind of be, you know, villain number one on campus while he's taking classes, which I'm sure, you know, he's a college student. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, he is a college student. I think that we forget that sometimes that he's going to still go to class. Um, but, you know, it gives him some time to make his decisions. It gives him some time to really figure out what his options are. Uh, and, and again, look, if, if Oklahoma comes calling, I don't know if that's a perfect situation for either party, but if they come calling, you know what? He's probably going to leave. But at the same time, it's going to be kind of who's contacting us? Does it make sense? Is there a a perfect offer? You know, because he's not going to leave to go take over at Rutgers. No. You know, he's not going to leave to go take over at Illinois. Right. You know, he wants to play for a program and in a situation, I'm sure that's going to be able to take full advantage of his talents. And that requires both sides to line up exactly. And it requires the right coaching staff. And it requires uh, ultimately you know, fit. That's what it yeah. comes down to. Well, and I, you know, the weird thing is, I don't know if he's a great fit for, I, I think everybody said, Oh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, <laughs> Oklahoma,
0: because they have made such hay in, in getting these transfer quarterbacks. I don't know if he's a great fit for the Oklahoma system. It's it just his skill set. I don't know if it necessarily meshes. Well, I
2: think that the big thing with Lincoln Riley is that you feel like he's going to build a system right. that that makes sense for him. And And I do think that from a quarterback positional standpoint, I think that they would make it work and have a lot of success with him. But the bigger question I have about Oklahoma, and, and not that I want to talk too much about destinations when we don't know if he's leaving, sure. but, uh, but when it comes to Oklahoma, I mean, you've got Spencer Rattler there, mm-hmm. a true freshman quarterback. You've got Tanner Mordecai, who I think will be a junior next year. And at some point, you can't, keep, you can't keep passing over your high school quarterbacks that you're recruiting because you have to keep recruiting more. And granted, you know when you get transfers in a row like Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and now Jalen Hurts... It makes it easier, but I still think that Lincoln Riley doesn't want to be in a situation where he just has to keep adding grad transfer quarterbacks every single season. It's Shahan
0: J. Raj, our college football insider, joining us here on Texas Football Today.
2: Mm-hmm. involved involve the conversation. Hashtag TF Today. Okay,
0: uh, one more thing before yeah. we move on to the Houston side of it, because there is another yeah. element to this that we yeah, really yeah, yeah, haven't touched on. We've talked a lot about D.R. King and his situation. Um, if there, it, Let's say for the sake of argument yeah. that he is going to transfer, okay. which is still, of course, on the table. Yeah. The three names I would throw out there mm-hmm. would be... uh, LSU, yeah, I think LSU is Mm -hmm. very appealing. Florida State because their offensive coordinator is Kendall Bryles, who had such success with last year. The other one, Syracuse, yep, because if you remember, their quarterback coach is Kirk Martin, who was his coach in high school. So keep an eye on that. Okay, there's that. Let's go to the Houston side of it. Yeah, what a bizarre situation where it's almost as if it's in the NFL and you're tanking. Like, <laughs> uh, like I, I don't mean that in, yeah. in, in a disrespectful no, way, no, but no. it's it's like right now they have one person on campus yeah. who has thrown a college pass. That person. I believe it's two. I believe that. Has Clayton Toon thrown a pass? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he started games last oh, okay. year. Okay. Yeah. So they basically have two guys. They have Clayton Toon. Yes. They have Dana Holgerson's kid. Yes. Okay. A, a true freshman walk-on. True freshman walk-on. They are, and dear and King, I think we all in, uh, can sit here and say Deer King was their best, most dynamic offensive weapon. The offense is going to take a significant step back, even if Clayton Toon is awesome. Yeah. Or, what is Dan Holgerson's kid's name? Logan Holgerson. Logan Holgerson. <laughs> Logan Holgerson's great. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Even if they're great, yeah. the offense is going to take a step back. The defense was already going to be a problem. The offense was kind of what was holding yeah. them in games. Yeah. Houston is now, I don't want to say they're punting on the season, but... This is such a bizarre turn of events wherein now, like, three and nine is really within the realm of possibility.
2: Yeah, I mean, here's the difficulty, right? You go on the road to UNT this week, and I think that Houston can compete with UNT, but I feel like at this point, you know, without De'Aaron King, with a new quarterback stepping in there, it's not an ideal situation. Then you got Cincinnati at home. Mm -hmm. That's a loss. At UConn, should be a win, so that's a win. Uh, Versus SMU, and SMU looks... Freaking awesome! Yeah, freaking awesome. At UCF, that's probably a loss. Versus Memphis, probably a loss. At Tulsa is a fifty-fifty game. Yeah, and then versus Navy is a fifty-fifty game.
0: I so, mean, yeah. I so mean, like
2: you're kind of talking three more wins, maybe that you feel maybe could happen.
0: It is so. This is such a bizarre situation yeah. now for Houston that they are like we're gonna you know and. And uh, there's obviously going to be a lot of talk about Dana Holgerson and coming in and, and, and you know, being, new, being the new coach there who didn't recruit De'Air King. Yeah. Okay, let's be clear. He didn't de- recruit De'Air King. But, it, you know, all reports are we hadn't heard any sort of, like, problems between the two. Um, it is now going to be a really interesting situation to see them play out the string in Dana Holgerson's first recruiting cycle with Houston. And I will be honest, there was a moment of cynicism yesterday when they put out the statement that both Keith Corbin and uh, and DR King were going to redshirt but were going to but intended to come back for 2020, part of me thinks, and this is, again, cynical, is that Dana Holgerson went to them and said, please, we need to hold this recruiting class together. This is a recruiting play. I just need you to stay on campus until May or something like that or until past National Signing Day yeah. or something like that. That's a cynical way of viewing it. I freely admit that. But this is, I mean, I'll be honest. One and three start, and now this? This is a truly bizarre start to the Holgerson era in Houston.
2: Yeah, well, I think that the big thing is, though, is that there's a certain level of tearing down that Dana Holgerson's doing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because the reality is, I know that Major Applewhite took over as coach, you know, who was Tom Herman's offensive coordinator, but the program of Tom Herman doesn't really exist here anymore. Right. And so I think that there's a certain level of, I'm going to take this down, and I'm going to rebuild it in my image. So for me, I think that... I don't necessarily think that, uh, that keeping them on campus is like a recruiting play. I think it's just more of a, why, you know, why make a decision that you don't have to make right now? Yeah. And, uh, and so I think that ultimately, uh, I think that Holgerson is going to get some guys in here who maybe fit him better. And I think Clayton Toon is a quarterback who fits mm-hmm. Dana Holgerson better than Derek King. Um, now, the big question for me now is like, I know how much... Dana Holgerson wants to redshirt Clayton Toon right now at this point there just might not be an option right like I I don't think that Logan is ready you know they've only got one other walk-on quarterback on the whole roster um you know and and look here's the reality if you throw out one of the two walk-on quarterbacks like what why would a fan show up to that game right you know you still have to at least get people to show up yes you know and so at least with Clayton Toon you know, he's he's a sophomore and you have two more years of him. So it's not like, you know, it's not like he's a junior and you're wasting his last opportunity. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is a weird situation. And again, I mean, I kind of said it on Twitter, but in some ways, if Derek King does come back next mm-hmm. year, that's almost a weirder situation than him leaving mm-hmm. because you're kind of sending a message to your team right now. And, and the coaching staff is too, that this season doesn't really matter that much. Right. And i think that that's something that maybe the coaching have believes and probably should believe that you know this is a one year this is a start this is building on something but it's still just such a weird situation um it's shahan J. raja our college football insider follow him on twitter at shahan J. raja
0: spell exactly like it sounds and and of course listen to republic of football both the free version which you can subscribe to on itunes and um and spotify and anywhere you get your podcast as well as um as well as the premium version, which you can find at textfootball.com and subscribe to that for insiders. Uh, just one last thing, uh, a little thing, and, and I know we talked about this. Uh, there was, for some reason, there was this notion among I think he, among Houston fans, was like, "Oh, Dear King's quitting on his team." <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> hey guys. Let me look directly into the camera and say this: Can't quit something you're not getting paid for. <laughs> That's just called stopping.
2: He's yeah yeah and and the one thing i'm going to say about that you know there's it's a common refrain in college sports to say you can't quit in the real world um you can absolutely quit in the real world yes you know you know what nothing made me realize that maybe quitting sometimes a good idea than getting laid off in my last job and realizing (laughs) hey you know what i might not quit them but they'll quit me if they don't need me anymore
0: he is Shahan J. Raja. Uh, <laughs> follow him on Twitter at Shahan Raja and find his fine work at TexasFootball.com. Shahan, thanks for joining in. Thanks for having me. We are Texas Football today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Yeah.
1: You can, yeah, I was going to just agree with Shahan on that one, that you can absolutely quit, I think, about doing it every Thursday when free money comes on. So we'll see if I make it another week after this one.
0: Dave Campbell's Texas football (laughs) in partnership with Visit Fort Worth is proud to honor one head football coach in each classification with the Coach of the Week Award. Each coach recognized with a special honor typifies the best in Texas high school football. Your Week 4, Visit Fort Worth Coaches of the Week. In 6A, Joe Castillo from North Garland. The Raiders continue to be one of DFW area's biggest surprises, as Coach Castillo's squad is off to a 4-0 start for the first time since 1990 after a 28-14 win over Garland Lakeview Centennial. In 5A, Chris Steinbrook from Corpus Christi Flower Bluff. In a major 15-5A Division I showdown on the Coastal Bend, Steinbrook's Hornets stood, uh, stood tall with an impressive 21-0 win over Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial. In 4A, Wayne Condra from El Campo. After a disappointing 3 7 season in 2018, Coach Condra's squad is showing that they may have simply been a bump in the road as the Ricebirds are flying high at 4 0 after a 31 13 win over Wharton in the Wharton County rivalry. In 3A, Antoine Jimerson from Jefferson. Despite losing a highly decorated cl- group of seniors, Coach Jimerson and his Bulldogs are showing that they have staying power, improving to 4 0 with a 35 7 win over Paris North Lamar. In 2A, Andres Aguirre from San Saba. First-year coach, Aguirre has taken over a tremendous San Saba squad, and the Armadillos haven't missed a beat. Starting 4-0 after last week's 70 to nothing win over Snook, they have outscored their opponents 247-3. And finally, in 1A, Ennis Erickson from Rising Star. The Wildcats snapped their 14-game losing streak, knocking off three-way 59-36 to earn their first win since October 2017. So those are your Week 4 Visit Fort Worth Coaches of the Week. In 6A, Joe Castillo from North Garland. In 5A, Chris Steinbrook from Corpus Christi Flower Bluff. In 4A, Wayne Condra from El Campo in 3A Antoine Jimerson from Jefferson, in 2A Andre Andres Aguirre from San Saba, and in 1A Ennis Erickson from Rising Star. Congratulations to all the schools or all the coaches. We salute you. For more information, visit texasfootball.com. Woo! Right. I <laughs> think I'm getting sick.
1: I was sick to say I feel really bad for everyone because I can hear both of us like like sniffing, so we apologize for that fall is here.
0: Dairy Max and Dave Campbell's Texas Football are Proud to team up this year to honor excellence, excellence in coaching and the hard work that assistant coaches put in on behalf of their teams. Each week, the Texas football staff nominates four deserving assistant coaches for the Dairy Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week, and let fans decide on the winner via Twitter poll. It all leads up to the Dairy Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Year, decided at season's end. Your Week Four Dairy Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week nominees: First, go to coordinator Blake Yancey. Wing T teams aren't typically known for lighting up scoreboards, but don't tell that to the Raccoons, who hung 76 points on Frisco-Lebanon Trail with a resounding 76-28 victory. Rockdale Offensive Coordinator Ethan Knoll. The Tigers exploded for 32 po- first quarter points and got 294 yards and 7 touchdowns passing from quarterback Jace Robinson en route to a 66-7 romp over Austin Hyde Park Baptist. Tomball Tom Memorial, rather, defensive coordinator Scott Herman. The Memorial defense was suffocating, holding Bryant to just 35 yards in the first half in a 40 0 district opening victory. And out west, Pecos defensive coordinator Ray Carroll. The Eagles even their record at 2-2 two and two thanks to an inspired defensive effort, holding big spring to just 202 yards of total offense in a 25-6 victory. So those are your Dairy Max, built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week nominees, Frisco Offensive Coordinator Blake Yancey, Rockdale Offensive Coordinator Ethan Knoll, Tomball Memorial Defensive Coordinator Scott Herman, and Pecos Defensive Coordinator Ray Carroll. Vote now on Twitter at DCTF and see more information at texasfootball.com. Woo! We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on texasfootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Campbell's, And, of course, see us at texasfootball.com, texasfootball.com, is where you can find complete coverage, high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. I want to invite you to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider, texasfootball.com slash insider. Two magazines, a year's worth of exclusive online content, including premium podcasts, both Uh, Tap and Step, our premium high school football podcast, as well as Republic of Football Extras, and coming up a little later, some Texas Football Today bonus (gasps) editions. You won't want to miss that. Plus, recruiting analysis from our friends at Next Level Athlete, uh, computer rankings of every Texas high school ball team, computer projections of every Texas high school ball game, all that and more at texasfootball.com slash insider. Makes a great gift as well. It's texasfootball.com slash insider. Ashley, let's go to the hotline. And bring in the Texas High School Football Hall of Famer, who I believe is not going to redshirt this season and sit out for 2020, at least not that I've heard. (laughs) We're joined uh, by Craig Way. Craig, how are you?
3: I've already played in five games, Mm. so I can't do it. Oh, it's tough. I've appeared appeared in five, uh, so I'm I'm, I'm committed to this year anyway.
0: Uh, Let's talk a little bit about Texas High School Football, which I feel like was a little bit calmer in week four as opposed to week three, although that is an extremely low bar to clear, uh, considering all the chaos in, in week three. Uh, overall, now that you've had a little bit of time to digest what went on in, in week four, uh, what are the big things that stand out to you?
3: I think you make a great point, Tep, because we had a, what was it, a, a tidal wave of, of uh, chaos in in that uh, in that third week, so yeah, it's a it was kind of a ripple. It was still when, when you think about it, some of the uh, some of the things that we saw, and uh, a couple of the surprises and eyebrow razors as we mentioned, those kinds of things on a normal, and what after all is normal anyway. But on a normal week, we'd look at that and go, "Wow, there's a surprise. There's a ranked team losing. There's another ranked team losing. There's a couple." But given what we dealt with the week before, yeah, it felt kind of almost sedate. Almost mm-hmm. felt like we we had to dig a little bit to, to see some surprises. And, and I don't know about you, because uh, for folks who don't know the dynamic, and I, and I know you've mapped it out for when we do a show on Friday night, uh, we get a lot of stuff flying at us, scores, highlights. Uh, we do the, the, the interviews and things like that. But it all comes real fast and the old drinking from a fire hose. We're trying to get as much down as we can. But we're not 100% in tune with every single game over 700 that happens on a Friday night, right? So when we get off the set, we, we find out something or say, hey, how'd so-and-so do? Wow, what? And, and I, I wish I had a dollar for every time you and I did that when we, get, when we late in the show or when we came off the set to do that. And then to take it a step further, you get to Sunday and find out about some surprises of that happen on Saturday. So I don't, you know, I I, I think that uh, the last week was sedate by comparison to what we saw, given all of the the, the carnage that happened in the prior week. When it had you and uh, you know your your outstanding staff just absolutely spinning your heads as to what you're going to do with the weekly rankings. Right.
0: Well, it was it was just nice to actually have a bit of a, a calm week, I would say, that we don't have to completely rip up our rankings and start all over. Um, you know, one game that I feel like we, we haven't talked about enough from a statewide perspective, uh, and I, I know we, we viewed it kind of as a litmus test down in the San Antonio area, uh, was Converse Judson and Sybil of Steel. Uh, of course, it's always a big-time game, big-time district game down there, and of course the district opener uh, this year. Converse Judson comes out with a 51-48 win uh, in that one. Uh, you know, we're, we're always curious as to when is going to be the year that San Antonio makes a comeback and jumps back into the statewide uh, statewide conversation. Um. Do you do you feel like we're any closer to understanding if they are in fact ready to contend uh, for titles at the six A level uh, coming off of this game? Can, uh, or you know maybe there? I mean, of course, there are other six A teams that would like a word in the San Antonio area as well. But but this, of course, has a lot of headliners. Do you do you feel like we're any closer to actually having a a, a finger on the pulse of what's going on in San Antonio?
3: Well, I think it's a logical place to start, Jeff, because uh, usually if we're talking six A. And we're talking San Antonio. You begin with Judson, clearly, because of their pedigree. Not only because of their pedigree, but on a year-in, year-out basis, they're normally going to be the best hope. Steele right there with them, but normally, certainly 6A-D1, clearly. They're, they, they've been annually the best hope, where Steele has been at the best hope, probably, in D2. So... When those two play, we cast a lot of attention on and usually the game does not fail to disappoint, and it clearly did not fail to disappoint this year. Did we learn that much more about Judson? Not sure, because, and, and I don't know that we did, simply because I think Judson uh, Steele is good. Uh, are they on the caliber? caliber of, uh, say, Longview or Westlake or, or maybe a side fair or somebody like that. I don't know, but, I mean, we know that those are two good teams capable of making it run. The question is, I, I think we should look at the San Antonio area in much the same way which, to be fair, for decades, mm-hmm. or, or at least over a decade, we've looked at West Texas trying to get past the Metroplex, that big stone wall in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, I think the same thing applies here with regard to the San Antonio area, that that two-team Austin wall of Lake Travis and Wesley. Mm-hmm. Can they hurdle that wall? Can they, can they get past that? Because if they can, and, and we've seen it happen a little bit. We saw with Steele uh, a couple of years back, I guess just reaching the final against DeSoto. Judson has had less success with that because they've had to deal with Lake Travis. So can they get past that? Early indications? Hopeful. Uh, impressed with what Rodney Williams is doing there. Uh, we'll we'll see as the, as the season develops, but I think the signs are good anyway.
0: Craig Way, the Texas High School Football Hall every of Famer, day. joining us as he does every Tuesday here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in conversation hashtag TF Today. Okay, there. Uh, I, I've I've made a point a couple of times, and I think I even made it on your show about Saturday night games. Uh, and how they simply do not get the attention. They, they tend to fly under the radar because, look, we, we are football fans writ large, and so a lot of people are paying attention to college football that day. You were literally calling the Texas-Oklahoma State game as Bridgeland beat Cy Ranch. That is, in my mind, a seismic move, a seismic <laughs> game in the Houston area, that, that Bridgeland, the newcomer in Cypher ISD, uh, now takes over the the pole position in District 14, 6A. Um, am I wrong in saying that if you play a game on Saturday, maybe just because of literally the timing of it, it, it kind of it kind of gets lost in the wash a little bit, and, and this may be the kind of result that from a statewide perspective, people may be uh, under, underselling a little bit?
3: Listen, Buzz Bissinger wrote a book that was on the New York Times bestseller with, list for months and months. It wasn't called Saturday Night Lights. <laughs> you know, it was called Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and the reason why is is we know the vast majority of the action happens on Friday night. Mm-hmm. As a result, some of that stuff is going to fly under the radar. It just does, at least until you get to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Then we get the playoffs Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, like I said. All, I've always said and I said it again on my show this morning all playoff matchups are created equal some are just more attractive than others. <laughs> however, however the uh, in in the case of this yeah it's it's rather seismic. I think see if you agree with me on this Jeff. Mm-hmm. maybe we've become a little bit desensitized to extremely youthful programs making noise uh, and and the poster child for that is Shadow Creek. Mm-hmm you know, for, for, for what they did last year. Even even Leander Clint and the mm-hmm. crazy mixed-up world of 13-5A Division two making the playoffs in their first varsity season winning a district title, you know, it, uh, we've become a little desensitized to it, but uh, it doesn't happen often at the largest level. I mean, the, the famous Beaumont Westbrook uh, run of 82 mm-hmm. at the 5A uh, level, then the state's highest classification is the best example of that you don't have many opportunities to see a brand new 6A program take it and run with it. And so that's why seeing what we've seen with Bridgeland is pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, a, that's an important distinction from the big school level, because I, I was thinking, okay, well, we go back to 2015 with Brock. Right? And that was yep. a program that had just started playing football, but of course wins a title in 2015, I believe in their second varsity season. Um, but that is also at the 3A level. Uh, and then you have other pro. There, there are always these mitigating circumstances. I go down to the six man ranks with Lakey. Lakey was playing 11 man ball forever. They dropped down a six man ball and were a, a suddenly uh, a force and made a semifinal last year. But uh, your point is certainly well taken that I think that we have got to start, we've got to stop. Uh, assuming that new programs are just going to finish ninth in their district uh, every single year just because they're new. Uh, I want to I go give you a little bit of home field advantage here because there's a game I'm fascinated with in your neck of the woods, a battle of unbeatens for the top spot, I guess theoretically the top spot, in District 13-6A. Uh, in Vandegrift and Ridge. I asked Matt step this on the on the podcast yesterday. I said this is a question of whether or not Ridge has the juice. Uh, they're four and zero. I know that they're very excited out there uh, for this Vist- for this Rangers team. Um, sell sell me on this game being <laughs> being. Uh, uh, I I still feel like it would probably be a shocker if Ridge were the knockoff Vandegrift, but uh, this feels like a pretty monumental game down there in the Austin
3: area. You know, here's here's the first thing I would sell you on. The district yeah. has three blockbusters mm-hmm. this week. Yeah. Uh, that that district. In addition to that, you you have Cedar Ridge and Stony Point, mm-hmm. and Stony is another one of those. Hey, wait a minute, they're unbeaten. Mm-hmm. You know, type deals. Although we've seen Craig Cheshire, uh, you know, at times wave a magic wand with what he's done with his programs. So so, uh, but that's that's an attractive one. Then you got the oldest. Uh, Matchup in Round Rock ISD history. You got Round Rock against Westwood. The old Westwood, the old battle for the bell, and they do play for a bell. Uh, so it's another one of those trophy games. Uh, and and Westwood has an incredibly dynamic offense, and, and, and Round Rock does too. That could be in the sixty something to fifty something range. You could have something like that. But you're right. The headliner clearly is is Van and Vista uh for for any number of reasons. Start with the fact they're both unbeaten start with the fact that uh you still have vandegrift uh in your rankings although i will tell you today uh i got i got some raised eyebrows approaching, first like, wait a minute, wait wait vandegrift won and they dropped nine spots in the rankings <laughs> nine <laughs> spots and i was like okay beauty points here and yeah. vandy did not have any of those in in beating a uh, at least this season somewhat downtrodden hendrickson team so yeah yeah so there was that um so there's that, and then I think folks are still trying to get the full handle on Mr. Rich. Uh, you know, for years, Rodney Benson's calling card was defense. It always has been. He was the defensive coordinator. That was his deal. When they made their great run in '15 and went to the semifinals in in uh, in '581, it was largely on the strength of their defense. Well, it's their offense that's getting all the headlines. Kyle Brown, who's the son of the offensive coordinator there, Todd Brown. Is lighting it up? Uh, I think he threw for three fifty-three and five touchdowns last week, and ran for another. Uh, and, and they play unusual games, Tep. They have they have weird stuff happen in their games. They had a, uh, in the game against Westwood, they had a pick six nullified because of a sideline warning, a sideline oh, violation. Undaunted, they got a stop and threw a hail mary on the final play of the first half that worked. And got a touchdown, uh, scored 28 unanswered or 27 unanswered, then saw Westwood come back and score 20 something in a row, recover an onside kick. It was crazy. What? Crazy town banana patch. I'll just say it. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was nuts, and Vistaridge held on for a 49 43 win. So it, it is logical, completely logical, to assume that they would be the underdog. And maybe even somewhat of a significant underdog on Friday against Vanderbilt. I will also point out two other things: uh, the game's in so mm-hmm. it's it's this this home game, and um, there is a real undercurrent of nastiness between these two. Mm. It's a rivalry, and it, it, it goes back to really when they played twice in '15, uh, when Vanderbilt won the regular season game. Sixty-three to forty-nine, and then Vista beat him in the quarterfinal rematch. Uh, uh, and it was a twenty-four seventeen where the defense stepped up. So it's you know there's there's some history there. A lot of the kids know each other. The districts back up doing it. They're, there's there's some nastiness. So yeah, it's got a lot of uh, it's got a lot of spice to it. I think this week.
0: Finally, for Craig Way, um, it is of course the Texas Longhorns bye week. And you talk to any coach worth his salt, and I'm sure that Tom Herman will say the same thing on his radio show, um, as he will say, "Oh, it's it's not a bye week, it's not an off week. This is this is a work week. This is you know we got to get better." So my question is, when you're the voice of a team that has the week off, what's the bye week like for the voice of the Longhorns?
3: Okay, uh, a couple of things. First <laughs> of all, you're right. The key words there are open date. Mm -hmm. you're you're right, you don't say bye and you don't say off with them because they're like, we're working, we're all working. (laughs) That's one of the things they'll say, one. Um, Two, I'm sure Coach Herman would say that on his radio show if he had one this week. Uh, The radio show, because the team has an open date, the radio show has an open date this week. (laughs) So there's that, okay? Uh, But uh, to answer your question, Uh, you know, it's a regular work week. In fact, as we visit right now, Mm -hmm. I'm driving to the campus of Southwestern University (gasps) to visit with Joe Austin, the head coach of the Pirates, who do not have an open date this week. They're playing Texas Lutheran down in Seguin, so they'll hop on that 130 toll road and just, you know, zoom down there where it's the fastest speed limit in Texas. I don't think the team buses will do 80 or 85, (laughs) but you can, you know, but but you can get on that toll road and make some time. Anyway, they're playing Texas Lutheran, and I'm going over to visit with him because I, I do reports on all three of the area's college football programs, including Texas State. So I'm going to have a little sit-down visit with Joe Austin, ask him about Landry Gilpin. Thank you. Who, uh, trans- <laughs> transitioned nicely in the backfield last week for them in their 50-3 to win over Louisiana College. So uh, I do that all of that stuff. Then I'm up seeing you on Friday and then staying over to go see my alma mater play on
1: Saturday night or Texas. Can I get you? a go mean green? That is, uh, <laughs> I'll be
3: there. I will be there. Beautiful.
0: Pickle. We will see you there then. The, he is Craig Way. He is uh, the Texas High School Football Hall of Famer and the voice of the Texas Longhorns and just a roving reporter even on his even on his open date. Uh, Craig, appreciate your time, my friend, uh, and I will see you on Friday night.
3: Alright. See you then, Kat.
0: There he goes. Craig Way, the Texas High School Football Hall of Famer who's on his way to go talk about our most special Rio Grande Valley boy, Landry Gilpin, (laughs) who, of course, if you forgot, if you missed yesterday, uh, Landry Gilpin uh, ran for 104 yards and two touchdowns uh, last week and also threw for 27 yards in their big win over Louisiana College. So go Landry Gilpin.
1: I wish I had like a replay system where Mm -hmm. I could get you going, our very special boy, like again, (laughs) our
0: most special boy. Our very most special (laughs) boy. Uh, Anyway, appreciate Craig Way hopping on with us. And now we go to Ashley Pickle for America's Second Favorite Segment. Final thoughts?
1: All right. So first up, uh, Rob Hadaway asked earlier when we were talking about the red shirt stuff um are there red shirt are the red shirt rules the same across the board in division 1 division 2 etc do you know the answer
0: No to that? they are not uh I do not know specifically what the red shirt rules are in uh in FCS and division 2 but I know that they are not the same it was a relatively whenever they announced the the new change for um to, for FBS, uh, the Wretched Rule, the four-game rule. I know that that was a relatively seismic shift there, and it was a big deal. Uh, so I, I would need to look into what the FCS Wretched Rule is. But uh, I will get back to you, maybe, if I remember to get back to
1: you. Well, we'll try to remember we'll that for to tomorrow. That we'll put that on me. Um, and then the last. I like how, by the way, Craig yeah, it's just. Like, I just realized that. I like how Craig is like peeking up. Ready? and He's like, hey. Uh, bye, hey, Craig. He's still watching. He's lurking. Um. Anyway.
0: Let's d- see. There hey, there, oh yeah, there we go. go.
1: Bye, Craig. Um, all right. And then the last question was from Aaron. He said, is Max taking a red shirt year instead of going back to his home planet?
0: Um, no. No. He's there. Max, Max, we, we have been over this. <laughs> Max, his planet needed him, and he died on the way back to his planet. So That's how it goes. He's the Poochie of this show.
1: R-I-P Poochie. So.
0: That is going to do it for us. Thank you for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Camels. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Camels And, of course, see us at texasfootball.com. Very special thanks to Craig Way for being our guest. For Shahan Raja and Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please get your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today.